Well, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Genesis 28 verse 3. Um, and it says this, May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May He give you and your descendants the blessings given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner. And then Acts 2 verse 42 to 47 um, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Sounds like an ideal Friday night. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you're good. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would um, speak to us today. Uh, would you bless everyone that's listening? Um, and Lord, we just pray that um, we would be able to become um, and, and, and I guess remain and grow as a, as a community um, of people that um, worship you and, and, and want to make your name great. Um, so Lord, we give you all the praise, all the glory today. And everyone said, Amen. Um, we are about, I think we're three weeks away from camp. Yeah. Sunday, yeah, three weeks away from camp, which is crazy. It feels like, um, you know, we, we, we've been kind of promoting it for, for a year now. Um, and for us to be only three weeks away um, absolutely blows my mind. This year has just flown by. Um, and so in the build up to camp, we've been um, talking about how we want people to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we want people to make friends. Um, and last week, Levi spoke on, um, you know, kind of getting ready for encountering the Holy Spirit, ready for um, having a moment with, with, uh, with, with, with the Lord. Um, and this idea of kind of like um, having an offering, not necessarily financial, but having an offering um, of your heart, of, of, of our hearts, as we prepare ourselves um, to encounter the Holy Spirit. And today, um, I'm kind of talking more on, on the, the making friends side of things for camp. Um, I think that this is a, a message that um, if you're coming to camp, then it would be really helpful for um, us just to be looking out for people to connect with. Um, if you're looking to be someone that's going to be connected in, then to help you with that. Um, and if you're not coming to camp, um, first of all, you should. Um, I'll, I'll be stoked, stoked to see you there. Um, but if for what, you know, whatever reason you can't make it to camp, then I think that this sermon's still really helpful because it's really just about um, you know, the importance of living in a community. Um, for me, I have been lucky enough to have been consistently connected with people my entire life. Um, I have friends that I've known for my whole life. I've had friends that I've only known for a couple of weeks. Um, I've mentored some people. I've been a mentee to others. Um, I've had people that have encouraged me to do some of the most rewarding things in my life. And I've had people that have encouraged me to do some of the more regretful things in my life with the, with the simple, I bet you won't, um, for the boys, um, and you only live once. As a kid, I grew up in a house that had people in it constantly. Um, my dad, he was um, someone who would always invite my brother and I to be a part of the, the quote-unquote adults table. Um, he wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we were able to um, be a part of, of, of like older discussions, be a part of um, um, different kind of like uh, groups of people that would come around. And because of that, because of that invitation, I've had, ro I've had role models for my entire life, uh, many of whom are still role models to me today. To give some context to my relationships, um, I wasn't able to pray for my best friend at his baptism because I was so overwhelmed with joy that I just started bawling. I just started crying because that's how much I love my best friend. Uh, one of my really good friends um, didn't hold back at my 21st delivering a speech um, that pretty much like just shredded me, roasted me in front of my grandparents, nieces, nephews, um, you know, ages from 80 to 8. Didn't matter. He just let loose with some of the more um, mischievous things that I've been up to. 
Um, I've driven a Suzuki Swift that had 10 guys loaded into it so that we could, we could get down to the beach. Um, I've lived in a house with six other guys, four bedrooms, um, and a front door that was never locked because it wasn't uncommon for me to go to bed with an empty lounge, wake up, and that lounge was full and scattered with, 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 with a bunch of people in the morning. Because of the connections in my life, I have had experiences I wouldn't have had on my own. Either I was you know, um, um, unable or I was too self-conscious and um, having these connections and having these friends really kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. Things like getting my driver's license, things like getting my diving license, wear something other than basketball shorts or sweatpants. I've traveled to multiple continents because of some of the friendships that I've had. I've moved cities to study, I've made church a core routine, I've gotten up on a wakeboard, I've completed Bible plans when I used to only do the first two days. Um, friendships and relationships and community was one of the main reasons why I moved to Canada. Um, it was the first time that I prayed aloud was because of the encouragement from my friends and it was actually the reason that I've gotten baptized. I've been hurt by people and I have undoubtedly hurt people. But I know that I wouldn't be who I am today without all of the connections in my life. If you're taking a tally on the number of cliches today that I use, here's the first one. Um, it goes, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I think that that is really true. It's true of me. The people that have shaped uh, uh, my life have always been the people that have um, kind of been a part of my core friendship circles. Um, it takes work to connect with people, even the extrovert that I am. I'm actually, also, I'm actually not as extroverted as, as like, I think sometimes, although, you know, my, um, if, if, if my mum, my mum gave me this t-shirt, if my mum's watching this, she'll laugh, but I'm not as extroverted as a lot of people think. I actually love um, my couch, I love my own space, I love um, the occasional day of just like reading or playing video games or watching movies. So, so like, just in case you're watching this and you're going like, oh, well, he, you know, he's like 100% extroverted. I'm actually not. It does take effort for me sometimes. Um, to have connections with people, um, it takes patience, it takes the occasional late night, um, it takes, you know, letting things go. Sometimes it takes not letting things go, making sure that you, you know, you remember what um, people have said to you. Um, it, it, it requires doing things that I don't always want to do because I know that it's important to the people that I love. To boil it down, connections are messy, they're rewarding, uh, they're hard work, but they're also crucial in growing personally and spiritually with our God. So that's what I'm talking to us today. I'm talking to us about the importance of connection, the importance of making friends. Um, my goal today is that, um, you know, we would be a, a, a community of people, like the verse that we read at the beginning. There would be a group of people that would commit to um, um, having connections, commit to um, a, cliche number two, doing life with others. Um, you know, that we would be, um, um, you know, a, 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 a group of people that would enjoy being in one another's presence. My first point today, if you were um, taking notes, is that God wants us connected. Let's look at Genesis 2, verses 18 to 22, and it says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping... He took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. We see here that um, Adam, Adam lived in a, in a world, you know, in the Garden of Eden. Adam had a lifestyle or a world um, that many of us are, are perhaps trying to achieve. Um, he didn't live with drama. He had peace. He got to live naked. The Bible says that whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. He had um, complete control. Uh, yeah, well, 
you know, obviously God had kept complete control. You know what I mean. Um, Adam had a perfect environment and he got to walk with God. And yet God still said, it is not good for man to be alone. I read this as a reason um, uh, to why perhaps Eve was created after Adam. And it made me laugh, so I thought I'd share it. It says, I think God wanted Adam to experience his incompleteness before Eve was created. It was like, Adam, don't forget this day. When she wants to paint the bedroom blue and you want gray, remember that being in control of that didn't get you anything. Learn to love her. Try the blue. I think for us, um, we don't want to look to, to sacrifice connection for more control and man-made peace over our lives. I understand that there are times when it is necessary, but God said it wasn't good for man to be alone, a man that lived in a perfect world where he, where he had control. If it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, think how much worse it is for us to be living alone in an imperfect world. An isolated relationship with God isn't enough, I would argue, to sustain that relationship. I do believe that we can encounter God in our homes. I do believe we can encounter God um, um, in our cars. I do believe that we can encounter God in, in, in places other than just the four walls of a church. But I also do believe that sustaining that relationship cannot be done alone. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He, bre he breaks out against all sound judgment. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27, same chapter, a few um, verses down. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Proverbs 27 verse 17, Iron sharpens iron, just as one man sharpens another. I could go on, but there's a few verses that we'll, we'll save for later. Just in case my personal testimony um, hasn't convinced you that connections are important, and in case my interpretation of Genesis 2 hasn't convinced you, there was a study done by Lifeway Research. They surveyed over 2018 to 24 year olds, so that, you know, that young adult range, um, that attended church regularly in their youth and found that one in three no longer attended church. So that's, these, are, these, are, you know, these are people who, um, you know, young adults who would have grown up, we can presume, in Christian families, attended church in their youth. However, 33% of them no longer attended church once they reached that 18 to 24 range. These are the three most common reasons. One of them is I moved to college and stopped attending church, or we can interpret that as I moved away from home and wasn't able to get connected into a new church. Church members seemed judgmental, hypocritical. I didn't feel connected to people at my church. Again, I moved away from home and wasn't able to get connected to a new church. Church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. I didn't feel connected to people at my church. Two of the reasons, um, uh, you know, two of the three of the, the, the primary reasons as to why um, these, you know, uh, Christian uh, like youths stopped going to church had to do with connection. Connection is so important for us to sustain our relationship with Christ. If you're looking to make, um, you know, your relationship with Christ um, um, healthy and you're looking to encounter Him, again, you can do that in the privacy of your own home, at church, wherever it may be. But I do believe that in order to keep that alive, in order to um, 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 uh, make that a, a sustainable thing, that that needs to be done with people. The next one uh, uh, that I've got is that, uh, um, oh sorry, yeah, connections are important for our general well-being, connections are important for us if we want to grow in our relationship with God. So my next point is this, commit to healthy connections. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 33 says, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. So then what is a healthy community? I think the key here is, um, is trying to commit to that healthy community. Um, for us, sometimes we can, um, I was actually talking to a guy uh, maybe two weeks ago. And he's talking about how, uh, some of the, like, the more positive changes that he had made in his life. And he said that one of them was actually trying to like, um, uh, uh, be more selective or, or choose friends 
that are actually going to be able to have an impact in his life. And I thought that was a really cool um, uh, kind of like uh, thing to go through, I guess, because, um, and we'll, we'll actually get to this point later on, but I think that sometimes what can happen is that uh, we just kind of like accept the friends that we've kind of just stumbled into. We accept the community that we've stumbled into, when in reality we see that the importance of, of having a good, uh, you know, here, good company. Good, if, if, if bad company ruins good morals, then we can presume that good company enhances these good morals. So um, what is a healthy community? There's a, a, a Water's Edge Counseling. Um, they, they recommend to ask five questions about whether or not the community that you belong to is healthy. The first question that they ask is this, is it authentic? Um, a while ago, Chris preached a sermon um, on authentic worship. Great, it was a great sermon. Um, you know, you, you can listen to it. You can go back and, and, and listen to it on Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Um, but I'll just do kind of a, a bullet point of, of what he had to say. Um, for him, he said that there were actions that we undertook that were worship, more than just singing. And he had a list of actions that also were included in, in worship. And these were singing, praying. I said other than singing in the first one, I said was singing. So they were, they were singing, praying, preaching, giving, and communion. Once again, we have singing, praying, preaching, giving, and communion. Again, it was a great message, and he's saying that these were kind of like the actions that um, we can do as worship in our own lives. I think it's really cool. We, we, we looked at Acts, and we can have a look at it again to see that what made the first, you know, the early church so successful. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching, that's preaching, as Chris mentioned, is, is, is a form of worship, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Breaking of bread is communion. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's giving. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. A little bit of creative freedom, but we can assume that praising God is singing. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see here that... Um, Chris's uh, great sermon on authentic worship included preaching, communion, prayer, giving, and singing. And we see here that the, the early church, they, they encompassed all of these things. Uh, we see that their worship of God overflowed into their actions with one another. Hebrews 10 verse 22 to 25 says, So let's do it, full of belief, confident. One of the uh, uh, translations says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keeps us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how, uh, how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshipping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So I think the important um, um, phrase here is, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and then not avoiding worshipping together as some do, but spurring each other on. If we can see a similarity in how we connect with God, and how the early church used that as a template, for connecting with one another, then authenticity and sincerity needs to be at the forefront of our actions. Authenticity has become a, a bit of a buzzword for, um, for, you know, for this generation. Um, Chris mentioned this in the sermon, but a study done by a company named, I think it's Oberlo, Oberlo um, found that 86% of consumers were looking for authenticity when making a decision on which brands to purchase. 86%. Imagine how much more people are looking for authenticity when deciding who to befriend. If we know that one of the primary reasons people leave the church is because they feel that there is hypocrisy, well, what better way to counter that than by living authentically with one another? We're not dealing with a one-time purchase here, we're dealing with people. 
The next um, two questions that um, Waters Edge Counseling asks when um, trying to you know, figure out if it's a healthy community, um, two and three are, is it inclusive? And three is, is it outward focused? Genesis 28 verse three says, may God almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. This is Isaac blessing Jacob. Part of this blessing was to become a community of peoples. It wasn't just, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I understand there's a lot of things to do with like, you know, the family heritage and becoming um, really a, a powerful family and, then, and thus a powerful nation. But it's actually just about becoming a, a community. It is outwardly focused. It's a blessing to be in, uh, in connection with people, not a right. It's a blessing. It is not something that we should hold on to selfishly, but we should be looking for people who that we, uh, sorry, we should be looking for people we can include in that blessing extending our circles and loving others. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the lonely into families. Guess who he uses to do this? Romans 15 verse 5 to 6 may, uh, says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, I love that, endurance and encouragement, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible asks us to have the same attitude of mind towards one another as Christ has for us. If God sets the lonely into families, then we need to do the same ourselves. For a lot of people, again, uh, um, Levi actually mentioned this last week, we don't want to have like camp as this like golden goose where like, you know, in this whole build up, we live a certain way just in the build up and then just at camp and then we just, you know, taper off like, <laughs> we want to, but at the same time, we want to make sure that um, we deliver on a promise to people. If we're saying that people are going to come and encounter the Holy Spirit, you know, we can't, we can't control that. We can do what we can, as Levi preached last week. But what we can do is we can help put the lonely into families. We can have um, uh, the same attitude of mind towards each other as Christ has for us. If you're someone who's you know, coming to camp and um, you are in connection with people and have a lot of friends, then I think take what, um, you know, what you've received and look outwardly at people who are coming to make friends, to have that encounter, to be in connection with people. The Bible is clear about being outwardly focused um, um, to those that are in need. I can't stress this one enough. Um, for us, it's important for us to be continuously looking outward to who can be included in our lives and the blessing of our community. We have a chance to be an answer to someone's prayer. And I guarantee that there is someone looking at you to bring them in. Number four of the questions that our, our Waters Edge Counseling asks, uh, do its members accept one another? Romans 15 verse 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. If you're accepted by Christ, we must accept one another. John 15 verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then James 5 verse 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I think for us, we need to remember that the Bible is still relevant today. In a world where people want um, acceptance and authenticity, we see that the Bible has been speaking on this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The Bible knows what it's talking about. It's like how Paul writes to Timothy to drink a little wine for your stomach. And then we find out years later, red wine is good for your gut. Science is just catching up to what the Bible has to say. Just like that little like, guys, wine's all good. Um, for us, if we think, if we know that um, uh, based on the study uh, uh, that we looked at earlier, if we know that people are leaving the church because of um, the lack of acceptance inside its buildings. Imagine if these young adults and teenagers found a church that actually followed this teaching. The teaching that says to accept one another, the teaching that says to love one another, the, the teaching that says confess your sins to each other, and for that not to be a, um, a, a, a point of judgment, but rather actually a point of like, 
you know, further acceptance. If we're in a, a small group or if we're in a, a room, you know, an intimate setting and someone's confessing sins, I think sometimes we get it mixed up, right? Sometimes we go like, oh, you know, um, you'll be like, someone will be like, oh, I'm dealing with this. You'll be like, oh man, I'm, I'm not, you know, well, thank God I'm not that person. Thank God I'm not, you know, I'm not in a, 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 in a friendship with, with that person or thank God, you know, I'm not dealing with those kind of things. And I think that um, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. The, the, it says here, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. A confession of sins and then prayer um, should lead to healing of whatever that, that sin is. Um, well, I lost my place. I got excited about that idea of accepting people and confessing sins to one another. Ah, there we go. Um, this, is, this is me speaking to me. Not like, like, but hear this too. If we're tired, if we've had a bad week, if we're not in the mood or for whatever reason, um, you know, we're in, we're in one of those moods where people can just get rest or get wrecked. Um, remember Romans 15. We need to remember this. Accepting one another brings praise to God. If we can't do it for people, then we should at least be doing it for Him. The last question that um, they ask is, do us members support each other and hold each other accountable? Um, relationships are confrontational. Um, some of us need to be better at confrontation and some of us need to be better at not looking for confrontation. Um, it's a fine balance. A healthy relationship doesn't necessarily mean that, you, that, that we agree and that we get along at all times. Um, I would actually argue that um, if there's a feeling of, of like needing to agree and if there's this feeling of um, uh, walking on eggshells around people, I would make an argument that there's an element in which that relationship maybe not be, is, is actually not healthy. Um, there's a, someone said this, I forgot who it was, but someone said that there's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Um, sometimes in order to be a peacekeeper, we kind of just like, we, oh, you know, oh, it's not me. It's, it's, it's like, it's out there. It's, it's, I just, I, I don't want to cause a ruckus. I don't want to do anything. But I think that being a peacemaker is actually about trying to confront those things head on um, that are bringing about a disruption of the peace, that are bringing chaos, that are bringing, um, uh, yeah, what's the opposite of peace? I was just trying to think of more synonyms for chaos, really. Um, uh, <laughs> I heard this joke the other day, and it was like, um, uh, my wife accused me of, of stealing the thesaurus. I'll say I have nothing to say, but that will be a lie. <laughs> and that made me think of cinnamon, synonyms and stuff. Anyway, um, because of the relationships in my life, the, the uh, doubly so, the healthy relationships, um, I've had my theology challenged, I've had decisions questions, I've had uh, questioned, I've had moods pointed out, and I've had um, really, really helpful suggestions for what I actually need. Um, is that, you know, I, I want people that um, aren't always going to be the fun friend, but are going to be the good friend. People that are going to hit me up and be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this or um, maybe encourage me to get to, you know, get some early nights, all of those things. As well as the fun friends and, you know, there's a, there's a good balance. Um, I'm grateful that I have people in my life that love me, that call me out when I need it. A healthy community of people won't let you do things that are damaging to you without challenging it. So the next time someone wants to, um, you know, uh, uh, I think there's a phrase here, admonish, that's the word. Um, yeah, I should, just, I should just back my notes. This is Colossians 3, verse 16 to 17. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Key phrase here is um, admonishing one another with all wisdom. And I think also admonishing one another through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I think there's, um, admonishing is, is to kind of bring about like a, I think the, the, the definition is to bring about like a, like a tough encouragement almost. Um, 
But I think that there's like a difference between um, uh, um, holding someone accountable and bringing judgment. And I think that for us, we want to be make sure that we're admonishing one another rather than judging one another. The difference between judgment and accountability is this. Um, accountability is earnest. Judgment is bitter. Accountability empowers. Judgment disempowers. Accountability looks to provide constructive feedback. Judgment sounds more like, don't do what you just did. Accountability embraces the person for who they are. Judgment creates separation because of what they've done. Accountability enforces how far someone has come. Judgment focuses on how far someone has fallen. Accountability gives someone the means to change the outcome. Judgment sees the outcome as a foregone conclusion. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 2 says, um, uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I think if someone's trying to um, hold you accountable, we can't be so quick to, to claim that they are judging me. You know, they're judging me for my decision. We have to have a fine line in how we receive this as well, as well as a fine line in how we give it. I think that it's important to have really good relationship with the person that we're trying to hold, hold accountable. And sometimes it's important that um, they've asked for it or that they've um, kind of suggested that you are a person in their life who can bring about accountability. For us, um, I think we can. We can be like, oh, you're asking me to correct the way that I'm living or whatever. Oh, you're judging me. When in reality, they're just holding each other accountable. So if you're looking to um, offer up accountability, um, fine line. If you're looking to receive um, accountability, fine line. Maybe they're not judging. Maybe we're just holding each other accountable. Um, so to recap, God wants us in community. Um, and uh, two, oh, God wants us in a healthy community. And two, a healthy community is authentic, inclusive, outward focused, accepting, um, and holds each other accountable. Um, so I guess my last point here is more like a challenge um, to, to like different groups of people. Um, I think for those that have felt like um, you know, you've tried to bring people into your life and you've tried to make friends, um, but perhaps you know, there's, there's like a, a wall or like a barrier or whatever it may be for whatever reason, um, I'm just gonna throw out some bullet points here um, that, might be, that might be like helpful um, uh, you know, the next time that you're trying to like have people over or, or, or have kind of like some kind of social event. Um, great line here is uh, focus on being interested, not interesting. I think sometimes we try to be the most interesting person in the room when in reality it's actually much better just to be interested in what other people are saying. Um, don't shut off when a topic you don't care about or a topic that's not you comes up. Um, people notice when you zone out. I notice when you zone out. Uh, don't just send open invites. I think um, uh, there's a lot of times where people will try, you know, at least, uh, at least who I've encountered, where people will try to like make an event, kind of send like an open invite out and then, um, you know, only like a few people show up. I think being really specific with the invites, send a personal text message, um, make sure that there's a few people that are already locked in so that way, you know, it's, you've got at least like one or two people coming over for sure and then that can look to be like an extension. Um, excuse me. I've got leave your smartwatch at home and your phone in your pocket if you're trying to build connections. Um, I used to grab um, coffee with this guy and he had, a, he, had a, he had a smartwatch and he would look at it every time we'd like grab coffee. And he would ask me, he'd be like, bro, can we grab coffee? Let's hang out. I'd be like, yeah, man, sweet. We'll go out and he'll be like, he'll be doing this the whole time. And I, I told him, he asked me, he goes, bro, what are you up to? Let's grab coffee. And I said, I'll only grab coffee with you if you leave your smartwatch at home. Because what he was doing was this. Which looks like, that looks like, right? What does that look like? That looks like, oh, flip, I've got to check the time, I've got to go. Or I'm reading messages. You know, we, we end up being great friends. Um, this one, I think ask more questions than you answer. Um, if you don't know what questions to ask, um, I know there's this guy I know. I just keep doing these anonymous, there's this guy I know. It's actually all me. It's all been me this whole time. Um, there's this guy I know who, he actually writes down 
icebreaker questions on his phone. He's got a whole bunch of like, icebreaker questions that he can ask at any point in time. Um, uh, tip though, most people love talking about movies. If they don't love talking about movies, TV shows. They don't like talking about TV shows, maybe sport. They don't like talking about sport, I don't know. No, th those are my three. I, I, we can't be friends if you don't like talking about those three things. Um, I think this one here is uh, um, bust through social hierarchies. Um, sometimes we can wait, you know, you'll be like, oh, that person hasn't asked me to hang out. They don't want to be my friend. When was the last time you asked them if they wanted to hang out? I think that sometimes if, if we think that there's like the social hierarchy in which there's only one way that this can go where like the, like the, the, the cooler person has to ask me to hang out, then that's just like, that's actually just a one-way relationship and that, can, that would be just super tiring. If you want to hang out with someone, just ask them. Ask them if they want to hang out and if they're busy, they can't. Maybe they're actually just busy. You know what I mean? Um, this one as well I've got here. Don't be discouraged by rejection. Um, keep inviting people. Keep making it happen. I think that consistency is key. Um, and then I've got um, uh, another one here, which is like, if you're at someone's house, just be helpful. Do dishes, bring something over, um, help, with, yeah, help with the cleanup. Then people will be like, ah, oh, sick. I want this person over all the time. That was super easy. Um, this is for uh, people who are watching this who um, uh, are parents, are looking to be mentors, are looking to um, uh, be involved in the lives of, of some younger people. I'm going to read off a list of names that will mean nothing to you but to me, they mean everything. Stephen and Sandra, Carl and Lauren, Pam and Brian, Nick and Kelly, Sean and Hannah, Roger and Beth, Philippa and Campbell, John and Abby. There's another cliche, but it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I've never been a parent, believe it or not, but I have been a child, you know, still am sometimes. And I can honestly tell you that having older people in my life has been one of the biggest blessings. I was that child that was raised by a village. Growing up, uh, my parents had other couples, uh, sorry, other, yeah, other couples over, other parents over, university students over, um, people only a few years older than me over, um, and kids my age that my parents like forced me to be friends with. Um, but I am so grateful for the varying demographics that my parents brought into, my home, uh, into our house because they took the time to connect with others. Personally, I'm excited for the days um, when the kids of our church um, barge into my house unannounced, hungry, looking for food. Um, I can't wait for the days that, um, uh, you know, the, the, the teenagers or the, or the young adults of our church um, stop off at my house in between school or, or whatever activity they have um, um, afterwards or in between classes. I love, um, uh, really, I want to be a part of the village that helps raise the younger people in our church. And if you're a parent, if you're someone who um, is, is, is like old. The other day I called, I called uh, 29 years old old, but I'm 27, so I'm not actually that far off. Um, if, you're, if you're a parent or, or an oldie, um, can I encourage you to engage with people? Not necessarily just other families, but other couples, university students, youth, um, people in the church that are looking at you to figure out how to parent, how to host, and most importantly, how to be a Christian. This is 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 5, and it says, um, And now a word to you who are elders in the church. Skipping down a bit. I too am an elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in His glory when it is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. I know it uses the word elder, and I don't want to dismiss the, like, the significance of that word in the text. 
But if I can just take a little bit of creative freedom and propose the scripture to those who are more mature than some of the rest of us. I don't know anything about anything. I really don't. I want more mentors. I have mentors, but I will selfishly and happily accept more mentors if anyone is willing. So I can only imagine that there are other people in our church. There are going to be other people at camp. There's going to be other people in your life that are also looking for mentorship from you too. I was lucky enough um, to have a conversation with one of the parents in our church the other day um, about the importance of traditions and what they do with their kids. Um, some of the traditions that, that, that they have added. Um, I'm not married. Um, I don't have a child on the way, but it was something that I now get to store away. And for me, I get to kind of use that at a later time. I think it'll really help my parenting in the future. If you're a, um, a quote-unquote oldie, and if you're passionate about evangelism, connect. Acts 2 shows us that fellowship of believers was key to the Lord adding to their number daily. If you're passionate about teaching, connect with younger people. Nothing will get you into your word more than the questions of the inquisitive. If you're passionate about pastoring, connect. It'll be difficult for a pastor to pastor without connecting with people. If you're um, 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 passionate about the prophetic, connect. Speak life into these younger people. Speak life into, um, into mentees, into people that you can mentor. Call them to who they can be. Um, we know that some Christians walked away from church because they moved away and were unable to connect. Let's be a church that tries our best to prevent this from happening. If mentoring doesn't get you excited, just remember that if you um, mentor younger people, your chances for getting a babysitter increases. So there we go. All that contradicts the Bible, eh? Where it says don't do it for, your, for what you can get in return. But also like, wink, wink, you get babysitting. Um, for the young people, um, connect with the people that are in front of you. If you're, if you're in the 18 to 24 year old range listening to this, connect with the, the, the people that are in front of you. Um, not just the people that are available online. Um, there are some of us that can laugh um, at people for hoarding things. You know, um, oh, there's that show. I think it's called Hoarders. I think, oh, whatever. Um, where, you know, where you, they go into like a room or whatever or into someone's house and they just have boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. And we find that hilarious and really funny. Um, but I read this the other day. It says that we live in a world where we are hoarding things in the online sphere. We are hoarding things like our purpose, security, and identity. Things that have much more gravitas than just stuff. Social media is not evil, we know that. Um, but it is designed to be addictive. Um, and it is, it is unhealthy, I think, when we start to root our identity in social media. When we start to um, root our identity in our encouragement and our confidence and our um, security and um, our self-esteem in, in those like, kind of like online connections. For us, we want to make sure that uh, if you're a young person, Honestly, find a mentor. That'd be like my number one piece of advice is to, is to find a mentor. Number two, find friends. Again, if you, if, you think, if, if you feel that you've been looking for friends, keep trying, keep trying. It's worth it. It's worth committing to, to um, a community. Um, think about some of those things that I was talking about before. If you're waiting for someone to connect with you, just go out of your way. You go up to them. Ask them what they're up to. Um, uh, a study from the University of, of, of Oxford showed that having a larger social network released more endorphins. So more people, more friendships actually releases more endorphins. This is the key quote in the conclusion to their study. It says, as a species, we've evolved to thrive in a rich social environment. But in this digital era, deficiencies in our social interactions may be one of the overlooked factors contributing to the declining health of our modern society. If you were, um, you know, and I'll take more endorphins. If we're looking for um, ways to kind of help with our health, with our mental health, with um, um, uh, making healthy decisions, just health in general, um, then we can have these endorphin releasing moments in healthy and different ways than through social media. For us, I think that we need to think about um, what does our ideal day look like? 
There's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with having a bit of a reclusive day. For me, it happens. It happened this week. I spent Sunday night and Monday pretty much like under a blanket, fetal position. Just like reading, watching TV, playing video games. Just boying out. Um, however, I think too much of that, too much isolation um, uh, uh, leads to those kind of like unhealthy um, tendencies. And, and, and for us, we can just have such a, you know, such a, res a, a restoration through community and through connection with other people. I think, um, ask yourself, um, what's going to improve your mental health more? Um, what's going to improve your walk with God more? What's going to improve your friendships more? Um, what's what, what's going to um, kind of improve your like, overall life in the long run? And I can honestly say that committing to connections, committing to community, committing to mentorship um, is, is, is one of the, 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 the healthiest decisions that you can make. And this is my final point. Um, this, is gonna be, uh, uh, this, one's, this one's pretty quick. But the last point is, is stay connected to the vine. This is John 15 verse 4 and it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Um, today we've spoken about the importance of connecting with one another, um, connecting with mentors, mentees, connecting with healthy communities um, and actually investing in those things. But the most important connection that we can have is obviously the one that we have um, with Jesus. This, this point really obviously could be an entire sermon in, in, in itself. I think... Um, when we connect with Christ and when we have a, a really, really healthy connection with, with, uh, with our Savior, um, that is where we get our, our self-esteem from. That is where we get our identity from. That is where we get self-assuredness from. Um, and that is where, I was, uh, the, the, the guy I mentioned earlier where he said that he was kind of like choosing his friends a little bit more, that's where that comes from. I think sometimes what happens is that if, uh, if our, if our um, self-assuredness, self-esteem, confidence comes um, not from Christ but from the words of others, then sometimes it feels like, you know, if we start picking friends more, then no one's going to want to be our friends. But that's not true. If we have that self-confidence and self-esteem and self-assuredness, then we know. Well, oh yeah, people want to be friends with me, 100%. People do want to be friends with you, I guarantee it. Um, this is a, a, a little excerpt from, um, from um, uh, uh, John Mike from the Ruthless Elimination, Harry. And it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He frequently got away. He made a point to sneak off to pray on a regular basis. It was, common, it was a common habit in his repertoire. In Luke's gospel in particular, you can chart Jesus' life along two access points. The busier and more in demand and famous Jesus became, and the more he withdrew to his quiet place and prayed. In seasons of busyness, we need more time in the quiet place, not less. Definitely not less. And if you're running through your, 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 your um, list of excuses right now, I'm a full-time mum. I have a demanding job that starts early. I'm an extrovert. Stop for a minute. Think about this. Jesus needed time in the quiet place. Connection, connection with others cannot replace our connection with Christ. Connections are to, are to sustain that growth. Community is there to support it, but it cannot be the sole source of how we are filled. This is because it is both unfair to yourself and to your community. This point is, is, is preaching to me, by the way. Um, I, I, I have fallen victim to my extrovertedness at times. Um, not realizing how much time has passed between my, my last proper quiet time. I've done the one-eyed Bible reading on my phone either quickly before bed or when I wake up. Um, and I'm glad that I've had people in my life that notice this and encourage me out of it. Mark 6 verse 30 to 31 says, um, uh, this is right after Jesus sent the disciples out by two. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. If you need rest, best thing we can do is spend time with Christ. Connecting with people is important, but that can't be a replacement for Him. 
Hosting people is important, but they can't be a replacement for him. Doing whatever your ministry looks like is important, but they can't be a replacement for him. Community is a blessing, yes. Putting effort into creating healthy connections and friendships are necessary. Sacrificing for connection with people is key. But on the day where we have spoken on connection, the most important thing that you can do, that I can do, is to remain connected to the vine and connected to him. Which leads us to um, a decision for um, those that maybe feel far from Christ right now or feel far from God. Um, we have an opportunity right now where you can come back to him. Uh, maybe you're, you're, you're watching um, on the online service or maybe you're listening to one of the podcasts. Um, and maybe that last point, you're like, I, I'm not connected to, to Jesus at all. Well, I would love in a second to pray with you and I'd love for, um, uh, uh, for you to have an opportunity to actually come back to the vine. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So right now, if you are believing in your heart uh, uh, that, that, that God raised him from the dead, then we have an opportunity to confess with our mouths um, um, that we love. And so I'm going to pray. Um, and if you want to pray this with me, feel free. It goes, Dear God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you want to connect with me. I thank you that you sent your son to die for me and that you were raised from the dead. I thank you that you forgive me and that you want relationship with me. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I think I went a little bit over time. Sorry, guys. We are two weeks away from camp. Guys, let's, let's, let's invest in connections. Let's invest in um, making friends. Um, and at camp, let's give people the opportunity and make it really, really easy for people to make friends. And then and, and onwards again. Golden goose, golden egg, golden goose. Whatever, we're in Canada. Canada goose, baby. Anyway, guys, catch you later. Um, I'll see you at camp. So excited, so hyped. We got Camp Olympics, um, fun. There's a basketball court. There's like free time on the uh, Saturday. And I think I'll pretty much be committing to connection on the basketball court. See you later.